Welcome to Some Assembly Required, a bi-weekly design podcast where we discuss a range of topics from tech, industrial and product design, and sustainability. I'm Pablo Samoilis. And I'm George Wyeth. We're both product designers from the University of Sussex. And this is episode five, Probably Random. Last episode, we discussed world building from some of the most famous and influential fictional worlds to the fictional worlds we're living in right now. <laughs> um, be sure to check out that episode and any others that take your fancy after this. Uh, so this is going to be a little bit of a shorter, more laid back, get the year off after Christmas started episode. And we're going to talk about randomness, what we perceive as random, what is random. Um, yeah. Yeah. Random is a word that gets thrown around a lot, isn't it? It does. You know, Becky, not her real name on Instagram going, oh my God, I'm so random. I just bought this like little tortoise from the shop. Um, is it random? No. No, not really. No, there was the like so random uh, social social phase, but we we here are talking about numbers. Yes, mostly numbers, mathematics. Yeah, and now randomness is weird because I think everyone has an understanding of, you know, between one and a hundred, pick a random number, seventy three, right? Mm-hmm. But but that's not so random, is that's it? That's not random because a human brain cannot do that. Mm. Well, interestingly, you, I mean, you picked. I, I love this though, because you picked zero to 100 and you said 73. Now that's not quite the example that I used, but it basically fits in. Um, there is a general thing. I think it's often used in like magic, magic tricks and stuff mm. where they'll ask a random person for a number between zero and 10. And the most likely answer is seven. Yeah, no, that's true. Because people generally think well, I can't pick zero because that's not really random because that's a very start. I can't pick 10 because that's, or one if you're saying between one and 10. <clears throat> can't pick 10 um, because that's too sort of normal. Two, four, six, eight, those even numbers, yeah, it's too, too unlikely. They, they, it seems too nice. As humans, we like even numbers. Number five is in the middle. No, can't, it's, a, it's a no-go. You can't pick it. So that leaves um, three, seven, Nine, as the numbers mm-hmm. left. Nine people don't like to pick because it's too close to the end. So it's three or seven. And people generally pick seven because number three is too low. And much. yeah, seven feels like it's in the middle. Seven, it's not. seven feels like the most random number. And for that reason, it is the least random number that you could pick. Yep. It's the same thing with um, when you're, this is somewhat about randomness, but it's also just kind of implicitly. Uh, when you play rock, paper, scissors, if you um if you're playing against a boy or a man, um if you pick bit paper on your first round, you're most more likely to win. It's like because men are most likely to pick a rock. Yeah, men are most likely to pick a rock. And if you're playing against uh women, I believe it's scissors because they're more likely to pick paper. But they're also just as likely to pick scissors themselves. So But then you just draw, so it's fine. You've not yeah, lost. Exactly, you've not lost. So essentially Always do paper or scissors, never start with a rock and slightly tune it to who you're playing against. That is mad, isn't it? Kind of is, yeah. But there's a lot of that and there's a lot of randomness not being real. Humans, we, we literally can't come up with a random number. If I say, like George, give me a random number between one and nine. One and nine, um, two. You're thinking too much about it. I could see? think too much about it. Um, and, you know, computers can do it. And one of the interesting ones, um, we're going to talk about music. We can talk about Apple and Spotify, Apple Music and Spotify, also music. Um, they, they both have, you know, shuffle features and shuffling music has been a thing forever. And 
Yeah. How it existed before algorithms was essentially if you had a hundred tracks, it would play a random one, truly random. You know, tr- we'll refer to it as true random, I suppose. Yeah. They, they'd play a song true randomly, and then they'd remove that song from the options. And then it'll, so instead, if, they, if it was song number 62, then it would be a random number between one and a hundred that isn't 62. Mm. And then it would repeat and it would repeat and it would repeat. And eventually you play all a hundred songs. Yep. And that's fine. But if you're used to slightly more curated experiences, it actually feels very unnatural because um, most of like, you know, albums and um, music recommendations and radio is all tuned in a way to sound good and to flow. So people actually got very annoyed that Apple, the shuffle service on Apple Music was truly random. I mean, it wasn't truly random because they obviously were moving, there was no repeats of songs, Mm. but it was that basic level of randomness. And everyone found it was really annoying because it didn't feel natural. It didn't feel right. It didn't play the songs in the way that felt random, even though it was. Yeah, it's, it's an odd one. Because, like, technically, the way that that randomized would mean that, in theory, there is just as high a chance for you to... Say you were listening... Say, I don't know, say, say you shuffled five albums together, maybe, each a different artist. There is just as likely a chance that after you play album one, a track from album one, that you get another track from album one. And that sort of, I guess, resets. I mean, I suppose if you're, if it's a knockout structure, that first track that you played is no longer in the, in the possibility. So I guess the probability does go down, but equally you could just click, click shuffle. And there is a perfectly reasonable chance that you keep on getting the same album over and over again, or maybe you get three of them and you don't get the other two. And that's what people found annoying. Yeah, and and that does come from, and we'll talk about the kind of uh, the to excuse my English mind fucks that exist here. Mm-hmm. Um, one of which, for example, is um, the probability of something happen to you, happening to you if it's happened already is actually higher. For uh, for context, I'm looking puzzlingly at Pablo. At yeah, you're point. looking very puzzle puzzlingly at me, and I don't really understand how this works because I'm not a math genius. Yeah, but like it's it's why the whole lightning never strikes twice thing's a bit funny. Because essentially, if, if probability at a base level is what it is, if you have experienced the same thing twice, you're statistically more likely to experience it a third time than someone who's never experienced it at all. Because you know, if, if you put it down to very basic maths, it's like if there's you know, a bunch of apples in the table and you already have one in your pocket, you're more likely to have two apples in your pocket than before the, first, the, the other person because they don't have any. Is that, I guess, because there's much more likely chance that the other person doesn't like apples? Is that sort of almost just, how it comes down or to? Or literally, like, okay, so, so say there's 10 apples, five are red, five are green. You've already got a red apple in your pocket. Mm. Every time you randomly pick up an apple, I have a red apple in my pocket, you don't have any. I'm statistically more likely to then have two red apples because I've already got one. I only have to get one more, whereas you have to get both. Oh, I see. So yeah, similarly, yeah. if you have been in like three plane crashes, you are a lot more likely to be in a fourth than someone who's never been in one. Oh, okay, yeah, I see what you mean. So, yeah, no, it doesn't mean that if you're on a plane, everyone else should be terrified. <laughs> but it, it's one of those Although weird... If you're the pilot, maybe. If you're the pilot, then yes, uh, <laughs> definitely. But it's one of those things that is so difficult to comprehend because our brains just don't like that. But when you actually spell it out, mm. it actually makes sense, right? So the, you are, if you've already been struck by lightning, you're more likely to be struck twice. 
That doesn't mean you'll be more likely to be struck again once, it's you're more likely to be struck by lightning twice. That's almost a word sort of thing there, it isn't is. it? It's it like absolutely is, it, yeah. Our brains kind of don't think of it in that way, in that mathematical way, I guess. They think of it in a, what's the, I guess we, our brains aren't very good at combining probabilities in Correct. that way. It's, Correct. It's, we think of things very much as a single instance and not. Yes, and probability is all about things lasting forever. Uh, back to Randomness, Spotify did essentially the opposite thing was, you know, they've always been the algorithmic service and that's kind of why their music recommendations can be really good, uh, is their shuffle was not random. It was always what it thought you would then next best enjoy based on your playlist. Now, the problem is that most people will have a playlist of, let's say, 30 songs, and they probably listen to 10 of those songs a lot more than the others. Mm. And what happens is your shuffle will just ignore some. Oh, so yes, yeah, so it, it then just compounds the issue, I guess. It does. It seriously compounds the issue. And this this basically happened in, um, it wouldn't happen so much in small playlists because they were small. But for example, if your liked songs album, just your overall library, had a thousand songs in it, it will never actually shuffle through a thousand. It'll shuffle through the maybe top 300. Uh, just because that's how their algorithm did it, which of mm. course is a terrible random algorithm. Yeah. You know, if, you th- if you think a, a number, a random number between one and a thousand, how many times is it going to be over 300? Two thirds of the time. And for them to just ignore all of that data. So it's interesting that two services essentially did the opposite things of the spectrum and both got, you know, blowback from their communities for it. Uh, and they all had to tweak it. So Apple Shuffle is now not quite random. It's the kind of pseudo-random algorithmic thing. And the Spotify one, they had to make more random so that it would actually, you know, randomize. Mm. And I think they actually, Apple at least anyway, I think they did a survey of of it when they were sort of creating the solution. And it was it was something along the lines of not explaining it to people. People genuinely m- were more likely to consider the pseudo-random updated version was random yes. than they were to believe that the first one was random. Yes, and I mean, that, that all comes from the fact that what feels random and what is random are distinctively different. Mm. And that's why our brains struggle so much with this, and I think it's kind of why I find it interesting. Yeah, it is really fascinating, because mm. it's, it is essentially... I, saw, I think I saw someone on, describe it like this online, is that randomness is almost down to the ignorance of the viewer rather than the actual mathematics, like our opinions yeah. of randomness. Yeah, you'd be right there. That's it's, a... it's almost like if we don't understand, then it's random. Whether that's because it generally can't be understood is another story. I mean, this, this also links back, and I'll mention this one now. Um, rolling dice has been like throughout sort of human history ever since the dice was invented, which was probably a long time ago. I don't actually know the figure. But that's often been described as a very sort of random, unbiased system. Obviously, there you can get trick dice that are weighted or whatever. But if if we're saying that's a normal normal unbiased dice, you can't predict it. Is the whole idea of it, so therefore it's random. But actually, I think it was in 2012, some scientists using extremely complicated simulations and physics of things like the viscosity of the air, the forces of gravity, I guess probably the angle and forces that the dice was thrown at, maybe, um, were able to predict the outcome of a dice roll. Wow. Um, I think they had to compare like their data against like actual physical data of dice being thrown. And I don't necessarily know that it was 100% accurate, 
But the fact that they were able to predict it is... Perhaps someone should create a um, dice that's just a dice inside a vacuum box. So you just shake the box and put it down. And there's no air in that's, there to mess around with it. That is very sci-fi, isn't it? Very sci-fi. Uh, but, you know, that, that brings us well to the uh, Monty Hall problem, uh, which is which is confusing. I, I'll play a clip from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which I think explains it pretty well. Yeah, they're better at explaining it than we are, probably. They really are. So let's, uh, let's, let's enjoy this for a second. Yeah, Santiago, settle a little tiff that Kevin and I are having. Let's be honest, Raymond, it's not a tiff, it's a row. And now it's a scene. It's okay, sir, we don't want to get involved in your personal life. It's not personal, it's a math problem. Pass. Raymond and I had dinner together last night for the first time in two weeks, thanks to the night shift. And Kevin thought it would be fun to spoil our date with an inane math problem, to which his answer is wrong. Enough foreplay, let's get to the numbers. It's the Monty Hall problem. Imagine you're on a game show. There are three doors, behind one of which is a car. You're telling it wrong. There are three doors, behind one of which is a car. You pick a door. The host, who knows where the car is, opens a different door, showing you there's nothing behind it. Now the host asks if you'd like to choose the other unopened door, should you do it? No. Yes. It's, it's simple, simple math. math. It doesn't make any sense to switch. The prize is behind one of two doors. It's a 50-50 chance, either way. It's two-thirds if you switch, one-third if you don't. The probability locks in when you make the choice. We've been over this eight times. Seven times. Now you can't even do simple addition. Kevin is right. Hmm. You're fired. What? Uh. Anyway. Good old Brooklyn Nine-Nine. They yep. do it in a much more comedic way than we would have done. They would have done indeed. That there is the Monty Hall problem. And it's, it's essentially, I mean, yeah, there's two doors. There's three doors. You pick, a, you pick one. The game show host opens one of the other ones and shows that there's nothing behind it. And then... Ask if you'd like to switch yes. to the other unopened door. Yeah. And if you do switch, you have a two-thirds chance of winning. And if you don't switch, you have a one-thirds chance of winning. And that makes no sense. It is, as you said earlier, a mindfuck. It is indeed. Um, now, we were having a bit of a debate um, before, before we recorded this episode about this and trying, like, trying to get our heads around it. And this is the thing, it's just so difficult to comprehend to yeah. get your head around. So, because the way it works, so you've got three doors, um, and as Kevin said in the uh, in the Brooklyn Nine Nine clip, at the time of picking each door, um, there is a one third chance probability yes. of you being correct because there are three doors. So, when you make your pick, you're picking on a one third probability. You pick, and then one of the other two is shown to be incorrect, which now brings it down to two doors. So it's a fifty fifty, but when you picked, it was only a third. So the probability of you being right was a third. Now, the probability of... Well, now there's just down to two options. It's still got to... Because there is definitely one prize behind one door. It's got to equal, I guess, a full round 100%. So the probability for the other door has to... I guess, finish off the maths, add up the rest. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to come to such a clean conclusion and then you're just trying to make it make sense and it doesn't. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's because essentially like the only reason it makes sense is because if you actually write it out, right? So if you have door one, two, three, and so there's every combination of you picking door one and the prize door being door one, you picking door one, prize, be prize being door two, you picking one, prize being three, you pick two, prize one, and so on. So there's every single combination, and that gives you a total of one, two, three, four, five, six, nine options, essentially. And if you don't switch after the door is revealed, you win three of those nine. 
And if you do switch, you win six of those nine. So you literally Bruh. have, right? <laughs> it, and, and that's because when you pick door one and the prize is in either doors two or three, or if you pick door two and it's in door one, those are three situations where switching wins you, basically. Mm-hmm. Whereas in those situations, you're only going to win if you pick door one and the prize is also in door one. So it's that original one third. So it's, it's a one third chance of if you do nothing. But because essentially once that one is eliminated, you switching flips you into the category. It, I don't understand it. Even when I'm explaining it and I've got the thing written out right in front of me and it, it hurts. You're right. It hurts our brain because our brains are so used to using uh, probability as independent events, right? So flipping yeah. a coin, you flip a coin, it's half, it's 50%. Um, it feels right because at each time it's 50%, but you're, you've got to understand that the probabilities don't change. And that's true for everything. Probabilities, mm. once they're set in, don't change. And that makes no sense. I mean, the, essentially, so I found a little explanation which kind of works for it. So basically, when you pick your door, you are going to be wrong two-thirds of the time. Yes. That's essentially what it is. When you pick, you're going to be wrong two-thirds of the time because there's three, there three doors, doors at the time. So when they get rid of the other one, you're now going to be wrong two-thirds of the time. So if you switch, you're more like, yeah. Yes. Still, still gets it's, you. It's confusing. It still gets you. It really does. Um, and it's one of those, again, our human brain struggling to understand the probabilities, basically. Um, another fun one that we could mention as well is the lottery. Yep. Now, the lottery is always randomly assigned numbers. The numbers that come out of the lottery are always random. Um, so therefore, the chances of it being one, two, three, four, five, six, I don't know how many numbers they have in the lottery now, um, is just as likely as being any combination of the other ones. But our brains don't like to think that one, two, three, four, five is random. Yeah. But the chance of that coming out is exactly the same as any other combination. It's why if your phone number, like me, has um, some sequential characters in it, people always think you're lying, which I find very <laughs> annoying. Because my, mine, uh, what, it's... I'm you not might not want to read it, it out. I'm no. not going to read it out. I'm just trying to read out that bit. Um... It's got one three two at the end, and my Kenyan number was five six seven in the middle, mm. and that one always got people because I'd read it out and people were like no five six seven no no way I've got this wrong yeah I'm like no it's five six seven yeah but it's silly because someone has to someone has to right I'm yeah. sure someone out there has zero seven one two three four five six seven probably yeah. try dialing it right now let's go <laughs> <laughs> link up my phone to the deck have a live call-in we could do call-ins one day we could do call-ins that'd be fun be kind of fun uh but yeah and that goes you know that goes along well with like the birthday paradox for example which is just as confusing and that's that's the idea that um this one always gets me it's what if 23 people are in a room 20 it, yeah i've got some it's like a magic number if 23 people are in a room, there is a 50-50 chance of at least two of those people having the exact same birthday. Maybe not, maybe not, sorry, not exact same birthday. This is just birthday, not year. Yeah, day and month. So, yeah. you know, June 16th. And it goes even up to if there's 75 people, there's a 99.9% chance of at least two people having a matching birthday. Which seems mad because you think there's 365 days in a year. Yeah. People can have birthdays on any of those days. So surely, it, yeah, I have. <laughs> that I makes guess, me think yeah. of like the lecture halls I've been in. 
you know, true, yeah. because it's so in, in, you know, our product design classes that are what, 20 to 23 of us usually. So 50, 50, that someone shares a birthday mm. is pretty much dead on for a product design class is actually quite cool. Yeah. But like, you know, some of the engineering lectures we have sometimes that's a class of a hundred, 120. So that's well over 99.9% mm. chance that someone shares a birthday with you. Yeah. And it's crazy because well, I no, don't... Sorry, it's not a 99% chance that someone shares a birthday with, with you. you. This is the interesting thing about it and how oh, our brains work. it's 99.9% chance that someone shares a birthday with someone. Yeah, it, because humans, we're very fickle and we often focus on ourselves. So we don't consider... I did the, the fact. Thing. Yep. So in, say, in November 23, there is 22 options for your, birth, your birthday to be mm. the same as someone else's. But that's not the amount of options we're looking at. The actual number is that there's 231 comparisons of where there's someone who's not you yeah. is being checked against someone who also isn't you. That's why the numbers work out like that. So there's actually 10 times as many combinations that don't include you, basically. Um, so yeah, that's... Yeah, that... that uh, wow. Anyway, I, uh, ne next time you're in a, if you're a student, uh, especially if you're a student at the University of Sussex, next time you're in a lecture, why don't you ask everybody's their birthday, mm. find two people who share one, because statistically they will, and they, they can be best friends from then on. Yeah. Uh, that's how we should find people to socialize with in this new funky world. So as a little experiment of um, the birthday paradox, we've collected like 20, what, 25, 26 people's birthdays? Uh, yep. Just from Instagram. So yeah, follow us on Instagram if you want to get involved in a future study. Uh, but this this is what, so just over what we'd expect the 50-50 to be. Um, and yeah, we, we've, so no matching birthdays. No matching birthdays, no, which is annoying. It would have been fun if there was. But, uh, but um, you know, 50-50 there. But in, interestingly enough, uh, nobody from June. So if you're born in June, uh, hit us up and then we can add you up. to our data set. And obviously we had a few that were really, really close, um, mm. but no matches. So it's, it's funny how, you know, probability right there. You'd think that many people, probably, right? But also the idea that if we doubled that data set, it would become like a 95% chance. Yeah. Which is, you know, when you actually read the numbers, it actually kind of makes sense, you know? Like we mm. got some really close ones. It and also you can guarantee that everybody here or everybody listening, probably you probably know people who share the same birthday. Exactly. Um, Unless I mean, Facebook's friends, a good good data set. To be honest, Facebook is a very it good data tells set. you when people's birthdays are, and there'll be plenty of days where none of your friends will have birthdays, and then you'll suddenly have a day where four people on your friends list have the same birthday. Yep. Um, no, it is pretty. Impressive. Obviously, that is a large data set, so it's going to happen. Well, Let's, I say large. It depends how many friends you've got. I suppose. I'm saying, yeah, I've got three friends who have birthdays today on Facebook. Yep. Wow, look at that. Uh, let look me that. have a quick. Quick peek at mine. I don't really go on Facebook much, so let's no, see. Do I. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. Um, today, no, there's no birthdays. But, wow, coming up, um, I have one, two, three, four people who will have the same birthday fairly soon. What day is that? Uh, 16th. I have four on the 15th. I have three on the 16th. Uh, and then one on a few of those. Three, three on, the on the 19th, I've got. Three on the 20th. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting. It shows you by month. Oh, that's quite cool. Mm. I've got 71 friends in December, 52 January, 43 Feb, 46 March, 57 April, 46 May, 53 June. We're seeing what are the popular months. 60 July, 
53 August. Mine's a fairly even split, to be honest. 53 September, 50 October, 71 December. Quite a lot in August. And none November. A lot in September. So September is one of the like yeah, most common birthday months, I think. Well, it's, it's like nine months. Nine months after Christmas, isn't it? After Valentine's, isn't it? No, because it's September. Would be. Oh, you're right. It's nine months after Christmas. I can't count. Christmas and New Year. Anyway, uh, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss an episode. Uh, if you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends, family, co-workers, and uh, your dice. Um, unlike videos and blogs, we don't have an algorithm helping us out, so we rely on your word of mouth. Yes, we do indeed. Uh, so please follow us on Instagram at assembled.it for a deeper look into the show. And you can get involved in any future sort of experiments that we decide to do. Um, yeah. And we'll get some projects and updates and all that sort of stuff on there as well. Indeed. Uh, once more, remember to subscribe to the podcast and share it among your friends, family, co-workers and your random or not so random dice. And we'll see you in a bit with our next episode. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you for listening. Bye. Some Assembly Required is co-hosted and produced by Pablo Samoyles and George Wyeth, and edited by George Wyeth. Music is by Mikey Burtwistle. This is a 7-6 podcasting production.